This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 75 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. This month on Broadcast, we're talking about calling. And a large part of what it is to be called by God is to be willing to do whatever Jesus tells you to do. We recently had Mike Pilavachi join us at Christchurch Manchester, and this was the theme of his message, Do Whatever He Tells You. So we thought we'd bring you the recording of that message in this episode of the podcast. You can find the full notes on everything that Mike says at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 75. So here is Mike Pilavachi. It's a, it's a joy and a, a privilege uh, to be here. Um, I, I always um, uh, love coming uh, to the New Frontiers tribe because uh, ev- every, everywhere I go, every time I go to New Frontiers, you feel good about yourself because everyone's so enthusiastic <laughs> and everyone's so, so positive and everyone's so amen. And uh, it's wonderful, especially when you're an Anglican. Uh, it doesn't quite work like that sometimes uh, in uh, where, where I'm from. It's, it's, great, it's great to be here. I've just seen where the clock is, so I've put my, uh, my phone away. That's just to make sure that we finish before evening. Um, uh, what I'd love to talk about um, this morning um, is, uh, is something very simple. And uh, it's, it's kind of based on uh, some words of Mary, uh, Jesus' mum. And uh, Jesus' first miracle um, was at a wedding feast in Cana in Galilee. And uh, uh, we read this uh, in John chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. And you know, some of the translators of some of the versions, they added a word there. They added dear. That they, they added that Jesus said, dear woman, because they couldn't bear the thought that people would think that Jesus was being rude to his mum. But in the original Greek, there's no dear. It really is just woman. And uh, 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 no less an authority than D.A. Carson uh, says uh, that at the very least, Jesus was delivering a mild rebuke uh, to Mary. And uh, I love it. She, she says to him, and, and isn't that just typical of a mum? Uh, she, she, says, she says they run out of wine, you know, and isn't that what, what, what mums do? You know, like, um, they don't say what they want, do they? They don't say, can you bring the shopping in from the car? They say, oh, there's a lot of shopping in, in the car. They don't say, can you load the dishwasher? They say, oh, the dishwasher needs loading again. Well, Jesus' mum was no different. They've run out of wine. And Jesus, like any normal son, says, what's that got to do with me? Uh, in fact, what he says is, my hour has not yet come. Now, when I first read that, I'd be, just become a Christian. I was 15 years old. And, you know, I took, 
I took everything that Jesus said and I took it literally in all the wrong ways. And uh, that you can take Jesus' words literally in a wrong way. And here's an example. Um, I thought if Jesus could say that, so can I. So the next time my mum said to me, Michael, I want you to tidy your room. I looked her in the eye and I said, mum, my hour has not yet come. It didn't work for me. Um, But it worked for Jesus. And listen to what Mary says. Uh, Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to him, don't talk like that to your mother. She didn't say that, did she? His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And that's uh, the title of this morning's talk. Do whatever he tells you. An evangelical Anglican is telling New Frontiers people to listen to Mary. And there's not a Catholic in sight. Do whatever he tells you. That's what Mary said to the servants. And that's the words we need to hear today. Do whatever he tells you. Now, we hear that, many of us hear that through the grid of do whatever he tells you when what he tells you makes sense. Do whatever he tells you when you agree with what he tells you. Do whatever he tells you when you can see the end result. But that's not being obedient. That's not being obedient. Um, That's um, why you're doing that. You couldn't just come over here. Could you? No, just just come. No, 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 just, just there. Yeah, hold on a second. Get ready. Hold on, hold on. Get ready. You. you see, she said, she said to Jesus, do whatever he tells you and that means whatever he tells you and for and for the servants they had to put it into practice very 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 quickly because the next thing Jesus says is he says to the servants you see these big stone water jars fill them with water now if I was one of the servants at that time I might have said something like excuse me Mr. Christ But did you not listen to your mum? She said they've run out of wine. What we have is a wine deficit, not a water shortage. We have loads of San Pellegrino. What we need is Chateau Neuf de Pape. I would have said, no, Jesus, that's not the issue. We don't need more water. We have water. And if I had said that, I suspect Jesus might have said to me, didn't you listen to what my mum said to you? Do whatever I tell you. And they did. They filled the jars, the the, the stone jars. And then, even more crazy, uh, uh, Jesus says, now take a cup and fill it with the dirty water and take it to the master of ceremonies. Can you imagine the servant? I'm going to get killed. He's going to sip the dirty water 
and I'm just a servant, I'm just a slave, I'm going to be in such trouble. But I wonder if out of the corner of his eye, he could see Mary looking at him and he thought, oh, oh, I better, I better do what he tells me. Where did the miracle happen? I suspect the miracle happened on the way. The water turned into wine at the place of the servant's obedience. It didn't make sense. He, they didn't understand why. They didn't understand at the time all the reasons, all that was going on. But in the place of their obedience, a miracle happened. I just want to turn for the main uh, text uh, to Matthew 14. Uh, another amazing story. Jesus um, has uh, just fed 5,000 people with a little boy's picnic, which is a whole story in itself. And then we read these words in verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And uh, you know, they, they, that's the place where they're, they're, they're rowing all night and, um, and there's a big storm and wind and waves and they're terrified. Now, something I've, I, I've, I've, been, I've been following Jesus uh, for 43 years and I've been reading this book all of that time. And it was only like two, three years ago, I saw that something, you know, you can read a scripture again and hundreds of times. And then, I don't know, the 133rd time, it's like, how did I not see that? And it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. And do you know that phrase? He made the disciples get into the boat. He made them get into the boat. In the original Greek, it's not a mild suggestion. I think it might have happened something like this. Uh, excuse me, disciples, uh, in, in the boat, please. I want you to go to the other side overnight and I'll join you in the morning. How are you going to do that, boss? It do doesn't matter. Don't worry about that. I'll join you in the morning. Uh, excuse me, Jesus, but the boys and I, we've been, uh, John and James and, and Andrew and I, we've been, we've been looking on the internet and it looks like bad weather forecast. And uh, through the night, you know, we're fishermen. This is where we've been doing our job for years. We know this place. Not a good idea at night, bad weather. If it's all the same to you, we'll go in the morning where we can see clearly. Get in the boat. <laughs> he made them. He made them get in the boat. Sometimes the Lord deliberately sends us into storms. He deliberately sends us into storms. Why? Because he knows that it's so often in the middle of the storm that we find the greatest intimacy with him. So often it's in the middle of the storms of our lives that we meet him in the most amazing way. And it's often in the middle of the storm where we not only have the greatest intimacy, but we see the miracles happen. Just read, listen to what happened. Later that night, Jesus was up in the mountain alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's the ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Do you know how many times the disciples don't recognize Jesus in the Gospels? It's amazing. And there's re re certain reasons we don't recognize Jesus. Fear is one reason. So often when we're full of fear, 
We don't recognize Jesus when he comes to us. Fear blinds us. Another reason, and you see it. Do you know how many times they didn't recognize Jesus after he rose from the dead? It's amazing. And, and that was disappointment. That was disappointment. So often fear and disappointment, fear and despair cause us to not recognize Jesus. And they thought at this point that he was a ghost. In, but, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. He says two things that are very similar. Take courage and don't be afraid. They're fairly similar. And in the middle, he says, it is I. Now, I, I'm, not, um, I'm, I'm not a scholar. I'm not academic. Uh, I, I've never done New Testament Greek. Um, I'm just a jumped up youth worker, really. And uh, um, I, I, you know, I've, I've never done any of that. But I am Greek. And so, um, and so I know a bit of Greek. And that phrase, it is I, in Greek, in the Greek, it's ego ime, or ego is ego, ego. And, and in Greek, and I know this not because I'm a scholar, but because I speak Greek, ego ime, if you literally translated it, it's, it's me, it's me. Ego ime, or I am, I am. I am, I am. It's me, it's me. And did you know, did you know, I found this incredible when I discovered it. Um, in John's Gospel, now we know this, in John's Gospel, there are seven signs that Jesus does that, that, that reveal his glory, that reveal who he is, that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. You know, the first one we've just been talking about, he turns water into wine at a wedding party. Um, uh, there's, there's a whole load of others, um, the feeding of the 5,000. There's so many signs. There's seven of them, seven the number of completeness to prove. Then in John's gospel, as well as the seven signs that point to who he is, there's the seven I am sayings. And you know, you know the Lord when he met Moses at the burning bush. You know, when he met Moses, and Moses says, who shall I say you are? And the Lord says, I am who I am. Tell them I am has sent you. And, uh, and you know, like he just says, I am. And a question Moses would ask, and we would ask, is I am who? I am what? And Jesus fills in the blank. When he's, he fills in the blanks, he says, um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the true vine. I am the light of the world. Um, uh, I am the good shepherd. I am the gate by which the sheep uh, uh, come in. Seven I am sayings. So he fills in the blanks. This is who I am. But this is the bit that I didn't realize until a little while ago. As well as that, there are precisely seven times in the Greek version of John's Gospel where it's hidden in the text in our English Bibles. Uh, Jesus says, I am. Just like here in Matthew, seven times in John's Gospel. That's not an accident. The first time is uh, when he's with the Samaritan woman at the well. And uh, she says, uh, when, when the Messiah, the Christ comes, he'll, he'll, he'll sort out where and, who and how we should worship. And then Jesus says, the one who's speaking to you is he. 
You know, do you remember that? Well, you know what? They translate it like that. But actually, in the original Greek, it, it's, he basically says, you know, the person who's speaking to you, I am. And then the, the classic one is right at the end. I love this. Do you remember when Jesus is arrested in John's Gospel in the Garden of Gethsemane and the soldiers come? And they come and Jesus says to them, hello, chaps. I'm, I'm just doing a Eugene Peterson there, um, <coughs> reading into the original. And uh, he says, hello, chaps. He says, who are you looking for? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And you know, in our Bibles, it says, and then Jesus says, I am he. And they all fall down. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what it is? He doesn't say, I am he in the original Greek. You guessed it. He says, Error, ime. Boom. He says, he says, they say, he says, who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. I am, I am. Boom. Doesn't that make sense? Oh dear, they've fallen down. They, they've, they've had a little faint. Come on, little soldiers, up you get. He is the great I am. And here, the, the reason they can take courage, the reason they don't need to fear, is because of the middle phrase, I am, I am, I am. That's why. So, now I tell you, I tell you, I, I, I think Pete, it, you know, the disciple Pete, Rocky, I, 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 he reminds me of me. He reminds me, not, not in the sense that, you know, like, I, I have no delusions of grandeur, don't worry. It's not, you know, like, you know, upon me, the church is built. Although you could build a lot of things on me. <laughs> but maybe not churches. Uh, and, and not that, but in the sense of, you know, he often, he often opened his mouth before his brain was in gear. In that sense and that sense alone, he reminds me of me. So as soon as Jesus says... Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Peter, I think, before he stops to think, he says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And I just wonder, I just wonder if it was like, ah, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. What I just said. <laughs> and before he can take it back, Jesus says, come on then. <laughs> And I, I imagine the other disciples, they're looking at him. Off you go, mate. Off you go. You said it. <laughs> Listen to what happens. Then Peter, got, then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, I have read this scripture so many times. And until recently, I read it like this. Jesus, Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking on the water to Jesus. And the way I've read it, I've heard it preached and I've preached it. It's then Peter sees the effect of the wind and the waves. He takes his eyes off Jesus. He gets scared. He starts to sink. And this is the way I've, 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 I've read it. And he starts to sink and he starts to drown. And then Jesus looks at him and he thinks, oh no, Pete's drowning. I can't let him drown. I need him for the acts of the apostles. 
So, so Jesus dives into the water, does the front crawl, gets behind Peter, uses a life-saving technique he learnt at Nazareth swimming pool when he was young. And then he shouts to the disciples in the boat, quick, get the rubber ring, get the ropes, help me save Pete's life, he's drowning. And then Jesus gets him to the end of the boat, the others drag him onto the boat and he's spluttering. Jesus gets onto the boat soaking wet and he does mouth to mouth resuscitation on Peter. And as Peter splutters back to life, Jesus says, you have little faith, why did you doubt? Now, I don't know where I got that from, because it's not in the book, is it? But that's how I've read it. Have you noticed how often we give God an angry voice? How often we give God an angry voice? Do you know what actually happened? It didn't happen like that. What happened, and I've always read it as as Peter's great failure. I don't think it was Peter's great failure. He gets out of the boat. He starts walking on the water towards Jesus. And and you know what? Look how it happened. He says, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come on. You see, Jesus tells him to come. And Pete, who was at the wedding feast, and probably remembered what Mary said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. He got out. And as he starts walking on the water, he sees all the wind and the waves. He does take his eyes off Jesus for a bit and he begins to sink. And as he begins to sink, he calls out immediately, Jesus saves me. He doesn't immediately try to save himself. He doesn't call to the guys in the boat. He doesn't, he, he, the first thing he does is he says, Jesus save me. And do you know what happens next? Do you see what it said? Jesus reaches out his hand to him. Jesus doesn't dive into the water and and rescue him. He picks him up. He takes him by the hand. And the two of them, the two of them walk back to the boat on the water, holding hands. Holding hands. In the midst of the storm... Peter had the most intimate experience of the Lord Jesus he could have possibly had in the middle of the storm. He got to hold Jesus' hand and they walked on the water together. Far from being, far from being Peter's great disaster, Peter's great failure. I suspect Pete lived off that story for the rest of his life. Can you imagine it? For years to come uh, at church planting parties. Or cocktail parties, if you're an Anglican. <laughs> you know, someone would have asked for years to come, someone would have asked, hey, Peter, tell us that story about how you walked on the water with Jesus. Oh, no, not that again. Oh, I've told this story so many times. Oh, I don't know if I can tell it again. Oh, okay, I'll tell it one more time. Gather round, everyone. I'm going to tell my walking on the water story just one last time. Just gather round. Well, I don't know what to say. It was, I mean, I got out of the boat. I mean, and uh, uh, Jesus said, come on, Pete, come and hang out with me in the middle of the lake. And so I got out of the boat and I walked to Jesus. Uh, we had a little hiccup, but don't, don't worry about that. That was just a little hiccup. And, and, then, and, then, and, then, and then basically, what was it like? I don't know how to explain it. It was, 
it was it was water, but it was it was bouncy, it was firm, it was just uh, how do I describe it? Um, who else was there? It was just Jesus and me, and Jesus has gone to heaven. I'm the only one left in the whole world who could describe what it was like walking on the water. It was it was it was solid, but it was liquid. I don't know how else to describe it. And, and did I mention to you? Did I, did you know that, that that Jesus and I we we walked on the water together, holding hands? Did I did I say that to you? We were just we were like this, holding hands, walking on the water in the midst of the storm. I mean, it was up and down and up and down. It was like walking through a roller coaster. It was quite amazing. And do you know if I'm on Honest to this day, I can't be absolutely certain whether I was holding him up or he was holding me up. I mean, there we were together. Do you know how I know that he said that? Do you know how I know? It's not special revelation. It's because if it had been me, that's exactly how I would have said it. You know the fish was this big. That's exactly how I and that's exactly how you would have said it as well. And you know, it was like I, I, and then, and then I bet Pete looked at, at James and, and John and Andy and said, "Hey guys, is there anything you want to add to the story?" Oh no, sorry, I forgot. You never got out of the boat, did you? It was just me that got out of the boat. I was the only one. Far from being Pete's great failure, it was Pete's great success. It was his moment of intimacy, and the miracle happened. When Peter, in an act of obedience, said, Lord, save me. He was doing what Jesus told him. He was doing what Jesus told him. And I want to suggest that that's how faith works, guys. I, I used to think that faith was, um, was, was having no, no wobbles. And I just don't think it's like that. Faith is obedience. Faith is obedience. I don't know if you've, I mean, every, every Christian who's a proper Christian, you know, I mean, if, you know, the way you know that someone's a proper Christian is not if they've been baptized, guys. It's not if they got that wrong. It's not if, it's, it's if they've read that book, The Five Love Languages. <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, proper Christians have read the five love languages. And, and, and it's, all about, it's all about, you know, like everyone's got one of five love languages. For some, it's touch. Uh, for some, it's acts of service. For some, it's words of affirmation. Uh, for some, it's, what's the other two? Gifts, gifts. And what's the last one? Quality time. Yeah, you know, you've read that you're a Christian. Uh, there we are. There's a Christian there. And, uh, and, and it's like, you know what? And, you know, in that book, you, they, they've now done the five love languages for married people, the five love languages for engaged people. Pretty soon it'll be for left-handed people. It's, it's just a big, you know, blue-eyed people. Well, when I first read that, to be, I'll be honest with you, I had a panic. Because I thought, oh no, there's something wrong with me. Because I don't have any of those five. I, I have a sixth love language. My love language is food. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Tell me you love me. It means nothing to me. Take your love. I don't want it. But buy me a chicken shish kebab and I'm yours for life. Did you know? Did you know? Did you know 
that God has a love language. That Jesus has a love language. Jesus' love language is obedience. If you love me, you will obey my commands. If you love, that's what G- he says it. That's how I know Jesus and God has a love language because he tells us, if you love me, you will obey my commands. John 15. Also in John 15, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Do you want to be friends with Jesus? I so want to be his friend. And there's a way, he tells me, that I can enjoy friendship with him. And it's obedience. It's obedience. And that's how it works. And that's the place (coughs) where miracles happen. And, you know, we talk a lot about anointing. And I believe in anointing. We need the anointing. I mean, he is the anointed one. We, we, need, we, need, we need the power of his presence. The power. We're going to be praying in a little while. We're going to ask, the, I, don't know what, I don't know what he's going to do, but we're going to just ask him to do whatever he wants. And I suspect one of the things he might well do is, is just anoint us for service. I believe that. But you know, obedience, ride, anointing rides on obedience. I've, I've done a little look at these things and the people that I've noticed who are the most anointed coincidentally are also the most obedient. I've got a, a, a friend um, called J. John um, who's also Greek and um, he's, yeah, uh, he's an evangelist. And, uh, um, uh, and, uh, and you know like um, when he preaches loads of people become Christians. And that annoys the hell out of me. Because, you know, I listen to his talks and they're good. They're, they're fine. They're good. But, you know, I think minor. You know? But he sees... You know, I, he, I, in fact, we share talks, is the honest truth. He writes them and I like to think I improve on them. And, uh, um, and so we share talks. And, and I might do a talk and some people become Christians. He does a talk and loads of people become Christians. And, and it, is, it really bugged me. And then, and then I noticed something. A, a, a little while ago, it was my day off, and he phoned me up and he said, Mike, I know it's your day off. I'm going to take you out for lunch. And so we went to this restaurant in Old Amersham, and we went in, and it was my day off, and I was hungry, and I was tired, and I just wanted to have a nice lunch and, and a Christian gossip. And uh, we went in, and we sat down, the waitress came, and she gave us the menus, and, and John said, Hello. Um, what's your name? And she said her name. And he said, how long have you been working here? And I started to think, oh no, please. Please don't. And then she said, and then he said, is this what you want to, what would you like to do for the rest of your life? Is there anything you'd like to do? And I was like, you're not going to go there, are you? You're not going to go there. And then she said, and then he said, um, and would you like to know what I do? At this point, I wanted to slide under the table. And she said in a bewildered Wait, yes. And he said, I'm an evangelist. Can I tell you what an evangelist is? And by this stage, I wanted to shout at him. Let her go to hell. Shut up. It's my day off. I want my flipping lunch. And he started telling her about Jesus. By the end of the meal, he'd given her a New Testament and a copy of one of his books. He carries them around with him. And she promised to read them and he was going to come back in a month and take her for coffee. And they were going to chat about it. And that's why 
He sees loads of people come to Jesus and I don't. Because he tells people about Jesus before lunch. On his day off. Because he's obedient. In season and out of season. That's how it works. The anointing rides on obedience. And I come into land with this. I am... I felt the Lord speak to me about four years, four or five years ago now. And um, he, he basically said to me, Michael, I want you to honour my spirit. And I was puzzled. And, and I said, Lord, I do honour your spirit. And he said, no, you don't. I want you to honour my spirit. And at first, I put it through the grid of, I need to add it to my liturgy, because that's what Anglicans do. So when I led ministry times, instead of saying, come Holy Spirit, I added in, Holy Spirit, we honour you. Would you, would, you, would you move us? Come Holy Spirit, we honour you. And the Lord said, no, that's not what I mean. I don't mean add a phrase. I mean, you honour my spirit by obeying him, by, by following his promptings, by doing what I want. And so I, I made a decision and, you know, I'm... I'm in, in, in a very short time, I'm going to be 59. And, um, you know, I mean, when you've done what I've done to my body, you know, there's, you know you're definitely on the way to heaven. And, uh, and, and I kind of just decided, you know what? You know what? I just want to go for it. I just, I just want to step out and see what happens. If, if, if I err on the side of obedience... Even if I don't understand, even if I'm not sure, even if I'm not sure exactly how it's going to pan out. So I made an agreement. And the way it works for me, because of what I do, is I I said, Lord, if I think you're telling me something, I'm I'm not going to put it through a grid of does it make sense, which is what I did. You know, we we always revert to the safe. We always revert to the safe. And so, you know, in ministry times, I would invite the Holy Spirit to come. I'd wait. Sometimes the Lord would do stuff. Well, he'd always do stuff, but sometimes it would be obvious. And then after a while, I'd invite people forward to respond to what I'd said, an altar call, as it were. And he said, no, I want you to radically trust me. I want you to get out of the boat. And so, the last four years, I have been on an adventure. And I'll tell you, it's the adventure of my life. It's been the most scary, the most exhilarating, and the most wonderful. But I want to tell you how it really is. Because the temptation is to say it like, well, I don't know if I was holding him up or he was holding me up. Oh yes, the Lord spoke to me, and I knew. And I could see right through the person. I could see their secret sins. I thought if I looked hard enough, he'd be intimidated, but he's still smiling. Um, <laughs> you confessed before the meeting started, didn't you? <laughs> and, uh, um, and, and of course, that's just so not how it works. That's so not how it works. And I want to tell you honestly how it works, because I think the Lord wants to use all of us in these ways, in varying degrees, in these ways. Um, uh, some, uh, uh, it was about four years ago. I was in a meeting about these numbers. Uh, it was about these numbers. And 
having just made that agreement with the Lord. And, um, and uh, uh, in the ministry time, and, and, and when I say the Lord spoke to me, it's not hear ye, hear ye, God calling Mike, are you receiving me? Tablet of stone on its way down, duck. It's like, oh, I've just had a thought. Oh, that's an interesting thought. Where did that thought come from? Is that you, Lord, or is it indigestion? And in my case, often it's indigestion. But there's only one way I can find out, and that's by stepping out. And so this thought came into my head. There's someone here um, who's, who's got a, gets a fuzzy head, like, like headaches, a fuzzy head, on the left-hand side of their head. It comes and goes. They've had it for years, and they've got it now. And I put it through the grid of my brain, and I thought, oh, migraine. Someone who gets migraines more on the left-hand side of their head, comes and goes. They've got it now, had it for years. 400 people in this room, odds of, you know, someone having a migraine. I'd say 50-50, I've got a 50% chance I like the odds. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. And so I said it. And then the Lord who is holy and majestic and glorious and compassionate and merciful and kind. He also, when he wants to be, is sneaky. And just at that moment, he put the last bit in. And I said it before I could put it through the grid, like Pete, before I could stop myself. And the last bit is, and it's got something to do with their sister. And I said, and it's got something to do with your sister. And immediately I thought, you stupid idiot. Why did you say that? You had a 50% chance of getting a good one, you moron. How could it have something to do with sister? How could you get a headache? They get headaches and something to do with sister. I mean, does their sister hit them over the head with a frying pan? You just ruined it. And then as I was in the middle of my tirade, I mean, on the outside it was... On the inside it was... You know, I turned around and there was this young woman standing at the front weeping quietly. And I looked at her and I said, what are you doing there? <laughs> and she said, that's me. And I said, and has it got something to do with your sister? And she said, yes. She said, it's not a migraine or anything. She said, it's from brain damage. She said, when I was born, I was an emergency birth. And I stopped breathing. And they got me out just in time. And they resuscitated me just in time. But in the, in the time that I wasn't breathing, I got a little bit of brain damage. And one of the main ways it shows is I get this fuzzy head, mainly on the left-hand side, and it comes and it goes. And then she started to weep, and she said, but my twin sister didn't make it. She died in the womb. And for 27 years of my life, I felt guilty that the wrong sister survived that I should have died and my sister should have lived and that I took her place. And she said, it's been killing me all my life. And she started sobbing. And we could pray for her. And Jesus set her free. He set her free from all that. And guys, I was, I was the most surprised person there. It was like, and I'd love, to, I'd love to tell the story. Oh, and I saw that later and I thought, oh... You, miracle birth, ah, oh, you nearly, you know, it wasn't. It was like, ah, uh, ah, uh, that was you, Lord. That was you, Lord. Just tell you a couple of others. Not this summer. This, uh, well, I'll tell you one from this summer. Um, 
at one of our Soul Survivor festivals. We were in the middle of a ministry time, and it was towards the end of the week. And um, this thought just came into my head. Uh, there's someone here called Brian, and he's not. A, he, he, and, and it was and the Lord said, and he doesn't know me, and he's been cynical all week, and he's been telling his friends, you know, being cynical with them about me all week. But he's just prayed to me. And he's just said, God, if this is true and you're really there, would you speak to me? Would you show me? And so I said, I think there's someone here, your name is Brian, and you've been cynical and you've been teasing your friends and making jokes about what's been happening. But no one else knows this. But just a moment ago, you prayed in your heart. And you said, God, if you're real, if this is true, would you show me? And I said, Brian, where are you? This kid came forward, lost it, in floods of tears. Folk gathered round, prayed for him. And he went round afterwards saying, he knows my name. He knows my name. He knows what I said. He knows what he knows my name. Another one from, um, from uh, 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 two years ago, uh, our Momentum Conference. And you know, like, again, it, it wasn't like, I, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, this is how it works. You, you don't particularly feel spiritual or holy. You're thinking, what have I just done? <laughs> Jesus saved me. Jesus saved me. The, uh, our Momentum Festival, literally... I hated this one. Uh, 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 as we worshipped, this thought came into my head. There's someone here who's having an affair with a pastor in her church. And um, as soon as that came into my head, I was like, no way. No, 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 no. And I, I actually said to the Lord, I actually said to the Lord, Lord, I can't say that. It goes against our values, our guidelines. We do not give negative words. Can you believe I told, I said to the Lord, <laughs> I, we can't, I'm not doing what you tell, because it goes against that. How I'm still alive, I do not know, but I am. And then, and then I said, and Lord, how am I supposed to say that anyway? You know, there's someone here, you're having an affair with a pastor in your church, would you like to come forward? I mean, how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to do that? So, so I kind of was all set to overrule him. And then he said, more clearly this bit than anything else. He said, it's not my judgment, Mike. It's my mercy. And I promise you, for a few moments, he opened a window in my heart to his compassion. And it was like I wanted to die. It was like I wanted to weep. It was like I just felt, I can't tell you, it was like his heart of compassion for this person and so I had to I said forgive me if this is wrong but I think there's someone here you're having an affair with a pastor in your church and he, he wants to set you free he wants you to turn from this he wants you to come to a new life and it's not his judgment it's his mercy he loves you very much and I said if that's you at any time during this service my friend Ali will be standing here just go up to her and tell her, or at the end of the meeting, or tomorrow, go to the chat room 
and tell one of the councillors quietly. At the end of that meeting, this young lady, 19 years old, went up to Ali, broke down. She said, it's me. She said, I'm having an affair with the youth pastor of our church and he's married with three children. And she said, I feel so ashamed and I've tried to stop it. But he said to me, no, it's so right. You know, this, this is meant to be and I haven't known how to. And she said, I feel so dirty and so ashamed. And I nearly didn't come to Momentum. I nearly didn't come to this because, because I feel so ashamed. And she said, this was her exact words, she said, as I was driving here, I said to God, I said, God, if you want me out of this relationship, you're going to have to tell someone on the stage about me because I'm too ashamed to say. Some of our team prayed for her for the next three days. She's set free. She's repented. She's turned around. I came that close. I came that close to not saying it. That close. That close. Do you know what I've realized? If you step out and you get it wrong, nobody dies. Nobody dies. But if you get it right, if it is Jesus, someone's life can change. And you know what? Our longing to see him move has to be greater than our fear of failure. Our longing to see people set free has to be greater. It has to be. And you know what? I don't have a problem with failure. I've failed so many times in my life. It doesn't faze me anymore. And I've seen what can happen. I've seen what Jesus can do. And oh, to finish, I'll just say, I've only just thought of this. Oh, this is the last thing, I promise. Um, if I can find this. This also happened this, this last summer. And... Um, Again, in the middle of the meeting, uh, I, I felt that, that, again, it was just this thought came into my head, uh, uh, that there, there's, there's, some, there's someone here uh, for whom uh, the name Roger is meaningful, and, um, and not in a good way. Um, oh Lord. And there's someone here for whom the name Roger means something, and it, it's, something's happened with Roger, and it's confused you. And you don't know what to do. And you feel really bad. And I said, where are you? The Lord wants to meet with you. And uh, this young woman came forward. And uh, she was in tears. She was in tears. And uh, our team prayed for her. And uh, we have a, a thing called, we call it the Connect Team. Which is social workers and Christian police. And, and qualified counsellors for you know, different, really bad things like abuse and stuff like that. Well, I had a text the next day from the social worker, who, Christian social worker, who talked to this girl. I'm going to read it. Mike, the girl you had a word about concerning Roger has been groomed and trafficked by him, along with lots of other children. Her mum does not believe her, and so asked her at 16 years to leave home. 
Tonight, when you had the word, she was amazed. As a result of tonight, she's decided she believes in God, but also that she will give evidence in the case, as even if her mum doesn't believe her, she now knows that God does. Could have been so easy not to have gone for it. I have known the most intimate times of my 43 years walking with my Lord in the last four years in the midst of the storms when I felt I'm sinking when I felt oh my goodness this oh my goodness and I've said Lord hold my hand please and I've seen miracles happen in the place of intimacy listen to the words of Mary when she says to us do whatever he tells you step out if you say if you do it humbly if you do it kindly and you get it wrong nobody dies but if it's Jesus and it's more like it's more often going to be Jesus than you think and you know what I've noticed the more you step out the more you learn to to recognize his voice you know, in the early days, I, I could tell you, I've just told you the success ones. I could spend a couple of weeks telling you, oh, I had some hilarious failures. Hilarious, brilliant, but there's no time, thank goodness. Um, so I'm not going to tell you about those. But you know what? The more you go on, the more you recognize. Go for it in your sphere of life. Whether it's hearing his voice, whether it's stepping out praying for someone, whether it's telling, just go for it. Listen to him. Listen to him. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. Oh, that we could dial down. Not dial up, dial down. That we would hear his voice and see what he's doing and walk into it. Be still and know that I am God. He gently whispers. He gently whispers. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And just a reminder that you can find the full notes on everything that Mike said at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 75. See you next time.